Well, as you all know, we live in a fallen world, and it's full of people with shattered dreams, broken hearts, wounded spirits, devastated lives, and it's, it's just so, so common. And uh, yet God's dream, right from the beginning and from creation, God's dream was for man, you and I, to enjoy heaven on earth. No pain, no suffering, no loneliness, no sickness, no depression, no discouragement. I mean, none of it. That was God's plan. Eden was to be heaven on earth. We know that it all went seriously and sadly wrong. And now we have to wait for another world. We have to wait for the next life uh, to get back what God planned from the very beginning. And I've noticed over the years, I've been pastoring a few decades now, I've realized that the, the pain sitting here tonight is far deeper than any of us would like to appreciate. If there was such a thing as a painometer, I think it'd be hitting the, the top bar if we took that painometer, even in this gathering of people here tonight, uh, because it's just, it's, it's just life on planet Earth. It's not the way God wanted it, but sadly, it is the way it is. And so we've got to try and tackle it, try and deal with it. Some people have to go through the loss of a loved one, like Umish said. You know, others have to bury a, a child. I mean, wow, that's just un unbelievable, unthinkable. But yet people face this kind of stuff, and yet they've got to carry on and, and move forward. And one of the things I've noticed about this stuff is that someone goes through an incredible, painful situation. We all gather around, we feel for them, you know, but six months later, when we see them, we kind of think life's back to normal, but it's actually not. It's kind of like what they've suffered is still there and still real. Sure, they may have moved on, and, uh, but that's kind of the way things is. Others hear the devastating news from a doctor. And what about when a, you know, suddenly a husband leaves or a wife leaves or a parent walks out, leaving the kids behind you know, it's just the pain that goes with that kind of thing, I think, is pretty close to unbearable. Maybe you can add to that those unfortunate enough to have had an abusive upbringing where they've been dealt severe blows uh, in some way in their lives. And I've been around long enough to know that that stuff doesn't disappear. It's still there. Yeah, we progress, we, we get, you know, we make our way through life and we can smile and we can still laugh, but you and I know that that stuff is, is there. I was thinking about my own life just during the course of this afternoon. I was going through this message and I've thought about it over the last few days and I you know, was reminded of things that happened in my childhood, in my upbringing, and although I can stand and smile, it's stuff that, you know, hit deep at the time. And uh, there are consequences, there are results uh, that come from that. There was a letter written to a pastor that said this, My life has been turned upside down in the last two years. My husband was killed in a military plane crash, and now I'm left with two young sons, seven and nine, who are my responsibility alone. It's just huge, isn't it? It's just massive to go through that stuff. And there's people sitting here being through worse than that. 
And so congratulations to you. You know, God bless you that you're here in God's house, worshiping him, serving him, and loving him, and loving other people. So I want to look at tonight, try and just give some, a little bit of insight into three areas in which I think um, healing brokenness takes place. So there's a God's part, which is the spirit. There's a soul, which is our part, what we can do. And then there's the, the body of what the church gathering of God's people can do. So just going with the first part is God's part. And so we're going to pick up in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, that most of you be very familiar with this passage of Scripture, but it's a great, great passage, and it is real. Uh, we'd love to see a lot more of this, but it is still very real nevertheless. The Spirit of the Lord, Jesus said, is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And you know what comes next after that? You know, to heal the brokenhearted. So preach the gospel then heal those that have been wounded through the passage of life. He's uh, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Isn't it interesting in the, when Jesus talks about the anointing upon his life, yeah, he talks about preaching the gospel, but then the three things he picks up on is heal the brokenhearted, liberty to the captives, you know, uh, release of those who are oppressed. You know, broken captive, oppressed. Doesn't that summarize our world and so many people in it today? Jesus came to minister directly into brokenness, captivity, and oppression, and to set us free. I am more free today than when I was saved many decades ago. Anybody else wave their hand and say, look, I'm more free than I was when I first got saved. That is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ to set the captives free, to bring liberty and freedom to the oppressed. Most of us carry some wounds in our lives from the things that we have been through. So we walk with a limp. And where we are bruised, we struggle in those areas more than other people struggle in those areas. And so, for example, if you've been wounded by authority, you're going to struggle more than other people to submit to it. Everyone's going to look on and think, what's, what's the deal here? But you, it's a huge deal. Why? Because there's wounds, there's bruises inside that have not been fully healed in your life. Some people, you know, have a, maybe a struggle with fear. Others have a great need for recognition. You know, people, no one recognizes me. I don't, you know, I have the profile. I should, you know, that's a big deal to people. To someone else, it's like, gosh, why do you even want that? What's the issue, friends? There's a bruise. There's a wound. There's a brokenness. And I'm only mentioning these, these things so that maybe a light will flick for some of you and say, boy, that's, he's talking about me right there. I never realized that I had that issue. Maybe you have a great problem with feeling easily rejected. You know, if someone kind of, I remember once a number of years ago, I sort of, a person felt really rejected by me simply because I walked past them. They were sort of here and I walked over there and that was enough for them. He's rejected me. And I thought, Wow. That's a deep wound in that person's life that they would feel that way. And the reality is we all have some of these things in our lives. And, uh, but there is an anointing of the Holy Spirit that we have just read about that can heal us from hurts and from wounds. We'd love to see a lot more of this happen, wouldn't we? Wouldn't we love it if every one after another people got saved and bang, set free, set free, set free. But you and I know that doesn't happen as often as we wanted to. But I believe God wants it to happen a whole lot more. 
It's great to be healed of a broken arm or, you know, some other sickness that you might have. But how about being healed of brokenness on the other's inside? How about being healed from being crippled emotionally in your life? Wouldn't that be fantastic? And, you know, I believe God wants to do that in His church today. And we've got to pray it into being. You know, isn't it great that God and Jesus became a man? One of the important reasons I think He became a man was He went and He experienced pain and hurt and suffering. He experienced grief. It helps us to know that God understands. Don't ever think, God, you don't understand what I'm facing. We read in Isaiah 53, verse 3, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. Another verse says, familiar with suffering. And so because Jesus was a man of sorrows, you know, from the, you know, from his early childhood, especially through his ministry years, he just suffered. And we know the, the bruisings he went through, the criticism, the persecution, the rejection, the pain, the cross, the, you know, the, the mocking, the scourging, all of it. He went through the whole shooting box. He knows what it is to suffer. He knows what it is. And some would even say he died of a broken heart. So when you're serving a God who understands all that stuff, then he can minister also to us. And he can understand what's going on in our lives. But not only can he understand us, he can also heal us. I heard the story of this woman in India. She lost her husband, absolutely broken, just devastated, and kind of came to a halt in life. Couldn't process it and move forward. It's one of those amazing situations where she's driving in the car, and she feels there's a presence in the car, looks to the side, and there in the passenger seat is Jesus himself. <laughs> How cool would that be? He ministers to her, and she is completely healed of her broken heart. God can do it. You know, he has the power <clears throat> to do that. It doesn't always happen that quickly, that easily, but it does happen. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> I heard of this pastor. He had a permanent frown on his face. That's not me, by the way. <clears throat> and he became a perfectionist. And the reason he became a perfectionist, and some of you may be perfectionists as well, was he grew up in a strict, uh, emotionally distant, perfectionist father. But he admired his father immensely, you see. And so he was kind of driven to please his father, driven to please God. And so he was a big, sort of tried to be the perfect pastor. And so he wanted to meet everybody's needs because there was this perfection driving him. And he had to please his father. As I said, he wanted to please God and uh, to win their favor, to win their affection. Of course, trying to be the perfect pastor. And inevitably, what happened is it all came crashing down. Finally, he went into treatment. And when he came into contact with his inner pain and hurt, they say that you could hear him crying three rooms away from where he was being ministered to. But God began a process of tremendous healing in that person's life. Unfortunately, it had to come to a crash before he began to realize, wow, I really am in trouble here and need healing in my life. <clears throat> God can wonderfully comfort us. I want you to go to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 to 4. And this is a... <clears throat> we don't probably... Hear a lot about this. Are you okay out there, by the way? You're very quiet, but that means that you're intelligent. 
when people are silent, you often think, boy, he's smart, she's smart, doesn't say much, but, you know, wait till they speak. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, <clears throat> the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort. Say that with me. The God of all. Yeah. You needing comfort in your life? Hey, there is a God, and he's brilliant at it. I mean, he really is. Verse 3, who comforts us in all, not some, all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. If you went through verses 3 to 7, the same root word for comfort is used 10 times, no less. Our God knows how to comfort. He is the God of all comfort. And the Greek word here means to come alongside. So it's not like the, you know, pat on the back, hey, hey, trust you, praying for your mate or whatever. No, this is, this is in-depth understanding. This is deep compassion and sympathy. That's the kind of comfort that the Holy Spirit can provide for us. As we get close to Him, as we draw near to this great God that we serve, seriously, He knows how to comfort he knows how to strengthen us in our weakness and in our time of struggle and our time of difficulty. He walks alongside us to encourage us through every pain and every grief. Not only does He comfort us, He can bring us into victory as well. I remember a while ago, woke up one morning and just felt so low. I mean, really low. I probably don't get there often, but I do get there from time to time. But this time it was just particularly bad. I don't even know what was going on in my life. And sometimes you can't even connect why you're so low. Just everything seems to be okay or reasonable. And I remember getting up and I sort of felt kind of a desperation in my heart. And, and um, I, I just said to God, I said, God, you know, please, you know, <laughs> I need some comfort. Is there anything you can do here? <clears throat> I remember... Not a long while after that, as I was getting ready for the day, I, I literally felt the Holy Spirit draw near. And I can't tell you what he did, but I can say this much. He impacted my heart. And within a, maybe a period of a few minutes, that heaviness, that weight had just lifted off me. And I had felt wonderfully comforted by this God that we serve. You know why I love him so much? Because that's what he does for me. That's what he does for you. He is just the most awesome person you could ever get to know on a personal basis. You know, he's a lover of my soul. It is a joy to serve Jesus. It, sometimes it may get tough and it may get difficult, but my God, what he has done for me, there's nothing I could ever do to repay him. He went to the cross, for goodness sake. He shed his blood for my sins. He doesn't owe me anything, and I owe him everything. Right. So good. He is so good. <clears throat> That's God's part. But then there's our part as individuals, the soul. Let me give you a few thoughts here. Firstly, I believe, and this is huge, is honesty. To be healed, we need honesty to honestly face our pain. <clears throat> and some people just cover up the hurts and just refuse to look at it, maybe because they feel, feel it's too painful to even look at. They go into denial or they minimize how they feel. I've heard people say to me, and you know, 
man, my parents were great. And we all know that their parents were horrendous. What is that? It's a kind of a cover. It's a, I'm not saying go around and say my parents were this, that, and the other, but we've got to be honest about some of the stuff because we're not going to get anywhere until, we're, <clears throat> until we get honest about some of the stuff that's going on in our lives. Some people will never admit they're depressed. It's almost like to say you're depressed is like, gosh, I'm a failure as a Christian. What a load of rubbish is that? Where did that come from? They're lies from the pit of hell. Hey, everyone gets depressed. You know, and if you don't, you're a Martian. <laughs> Something. You're from another world. <clears throat> everyone gets downcast. Everyone gets depressed. <clears throat> Some, maybe people feel ashamed to admit it. But it's amazing how dishonest I, we, can be emotionally. It's just something that is there. But when we keep things in the dark, as I said so many times, Satan rules the dark. Keep it hidden and he's going to run riot in your life. He'll mess with you till the grave. I'm challenging you tonight. Get it into the light. Bring it out into the open. Not, uh, not just to anybody and everybody, but in a safe environment with people that you trust or an individual you trust. Get it out into the open. Get it into the light. And you watch the Holy Spirit's going to zoom in with His power and He'll begin to bring a healing, a restoration, and a recovery in your life. And sometimes it is a step-by-step thing that may take many years to finally get to, but get it into the light. When we cover it up, it's commonly known as rubbish bagging. So we get all our pain, put it in a rubbish bag, don't want to tell anybody about it, and it's hidden away in, inside of us. But how many of you know that rubbish in bags rots? Uh-huh. Eventually it leaks out, becomes poisonous, and eventually it's going to manifest in your life. That pain in an unpredictable moment or hour or event, bingo, suddenly... A person does something they never thought they would do. Rubbish bagging is a serious thing because eventually it erupts. So the first thing is honesty. The second thing is go through the grief process. Look, I'm no expert on this, and I'm trying to be. I'm just giving you some thoughts, all right? My wife knows this stuff a lot better than me. But some people try. I've learned most of this from her. All the stuff that's accurate I got from her. The stuff that's wrong I made up myself, all right? (laughs) You can judge how much of which there is there, okay? Go through the grief process. So some people try to be strong, not cry. You know, even feel that Christians shouldn't cry. Have you ever heard someone say, I've got to be strong for everyone else? You want to be strong? You better get healed first. You better go through the grief first, get yourself sorted out, then be strong for everyone else. You know, it's, it's sort of like a make-believe world that we've got to do some of these things. I'm not sure where it comes from. I can understand it. But the best way is to go through the process yourself because God has given us grief as a process to come to terms with our losses. So that's why we grieve. We've lost something. Grieve about it. Because <laughs> if you don't grieve, you're going to harden. Why are some people so hard? Because they refused, I think, sometimes to grieve. I've heard it said every time we don't cry when we should, we harden a little. And some people can no longer cry. Something to look at there. It's really quiet here tonight, you know. I feel like I should whisper, you know. I don't want to rock the boat here, all right? I guess it's serious stuff, isn't it? What about Jesus? Yeah. Isn't it amazing when Lazarus, his friend, died? Uh huh. Jesus said, no, I've got to be strong for everybody here. No, no, 
he wept. And they said, look at how much he loved Lazarus. And that's the human motion, the human side of this. Isn't he an incredible God? Like, I mean, he is just amazing. He's not a distant God out there with a big stick waiting to whack you over the head. No, he's the most loving, kind, compassionate, caring person that you could ever get to know. If you don't know Jesus, man, you, you want to be introduced to him. Guess what? I know how to do that. I can introduce you to God himself. Amen. We'll love, love to do that later on tonight. So to be here, we need to go through the grieving process and not stop the process. You know one way we try and avoid facing our hurts? Just keep ourselves super busy. Run here, run there, be this way, be that way. Just so busy. Then that way we don't have to look at what's really going on in our lives. Now, not everyone who's busy is like that, but I'm just saying for some there are. The third thing to do is to ask for help. Because it takes great humility to acknowledge we need help. And it's important, though, that we need to build honest relationships with people so we can actually get help when we need, need it. The problem shared is a problem halved. God made us so we can't make it on our own. Yeah. Tell the person next to you, you can't make it on your own. I heard a few people say, yes, I can. Who was that? <laughs> you can't, I'm telling you. You can't. We're made interdependent. That's why small groups are important, because we connect with others. We can help one another and uh, be strengthened by, by others around us. Some of the barriers to infant intimacy are fear and pride. And being vulnerable to others can be frightening. To admit, I don't have it all together can be really difficult to do for people like me. All right. There's a minister, 40 years old, about my age. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Just being honest. He's 40 years old, but his father ruled him with a rod of iron. You may have had a father like that. Dominated his life. He could never ask questions. So the way he got back on his father was by deception and lying. So he got back at him one way or another. People always will when you've got a difficult father. They'll get back at you in some way. You may not see it, but they will do it. So he had deep wounds and hurt wounds and hurts, and he carried it all over into the, into the ministry. And it really controlled his life. He had really annoying characteristics because of the hurts in his life. Finally, with great humility and courage, he sought out another pastor friend that he trusted and just began to share what had happened in his life. They wept together. They hugged together. And God began a process of tremendous healing. But he had to come to that place where he asked for help. James 5.16, confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. See, praying for one another, sharing your faults with one another is a key to healing. Confession of faults and healing are linked together. Number four, or D, is forgive those who have hurt you. It's a vital key to being healed. Let me tell you a story that will break your heart, I think. Two couples were great friends, really, really good friends. And one of the wives worked unbelievably hard to put her husband through study. She put up with a lot of loneliness and a lot of sacrifice. And then tragedy struck because one day her husband asked for a divorce. But the worst thing was this. After all her sacrifice, the husband married her best friend. Uh, <laughs> I'm angry myself right now. <laughs> the hurt and the pain ran so deep, she thought, I can never, ever 
recover. And I, I can imagine that. I can imagine her feeling that way. Her natural reaction was revenge, anger, bitterness. I'll get you. <laughs> One way or another, I'll get you somehow. However, she learned to release the hurt and to forgive. Somehow God helped her and she managed to forgive. And she says as she went through forgiveness, she began to experience God's healing. Eventually the rejection and the hurt lifted off her life and God wonderfully healed her and set her free. I share that for two reasons. One, to help you see what does happen out there in the world, that you are not alone in your pain. But two, God's up to the challenge. He can step into those situations and he can heal. He can set you free. He can bring freedom into your life. Nothing is too hard for our God. The next point is this. Continue to minister while hurting. Ministering to others, I think, while hurting is a powerful way to receive our breakthrough. It's easy if you're hurting to think, you don't expect me to minister, do you? You don't expect me to serve you. Can't you see what I'm growing through? Don't you have any compassion on me? I need to lick my wounds. But what about Paul suffering in prison? This is amazing. So he writes to the Philippians to encourage them. He's languishing in prison. Prison those days probably weren't that flash. And he says in Philippians 4, verse 4, what would, you, would you believe what he says? He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. So here's the man in suffering, in prison, and he's reaching out and ministering to others. It's like he was saying, look, don't worry about me. I'm okay. But you keep rejoicing no matter what you are going through, but don't worry about me. If I was Paul in prison, I would have become very self-focused. I would have mumbled, grumbled, and complained. Anybody else like me in this place? Yeah. One other. <laughs> I'm the most sinful person in this church, yet I seem to be the pastor. Isn't it amazing how God just takes the least and puts them in front of the others? So there you go, you godly, wonderful people. That's fantastic. But he just keeps ministering. And uh, instead of becoming self-focused, he doesn't go into a pity party. Thank you. I know no one here would ever have a pity party, but, you know, it's possible, isn't it, to really feel sorry for yourself? And, oh, woe is me, and feel really down, bad about yourself. And, hey, if you're having a pity party, stop. Now. All right? <laughs> Go and reach out to someone else. Because as we pour out to other people, as we reach out to other people, listen to this, as we reach out to other people, God reaches out to us. As we pour into other people, God pours into us. <laughs> you reap what you sow. And Proverbs 11.25 says, The generous soul will be made rich. He who waters will be watered himself. Now some of you are going through some things and there's nothing you can do about it. You can't fix it. There's no way you can repair it. You can't so nothing you can do. Here's some advice to you. You can't sort your own problem out, but you can help someone else. You can pray for them like Umesh said. You can do practical help like he said. You can be presence with someone else who's going through some difficulty and that may be the greatest single key to your healing and to your freedom. Okay, finally, our part as a church family, the body, because that has an important role to play in the healing of the broken. Love is a priority in the Christian church and in the Bible because it has got such healing powers. Love is a healing agent. 
So we need to do the love of the one another. You know, love one another, pray for one another, bear one another's burdens, forgive one another, build one another up. We need to do that and care for each other. There was a farmer selling some small puppies. This little boy said, I've got 39 cents. Is that enough to take a look? And the guy said, sure. So the farmer calls Dolly and Dolly and, uh, Dolly and four little puppies come running down uh, towards him and the boy's face lifts up. And then the, behind the, the four puppies is another puppy coming along that's limping, not running so well. And he says, I'll have that one, please. And the man selling them says, no, no, you, you don't want that one. It won't be able to run and play with you the way you would like. At which point the boy pulled up his trouser leg, revealed a steel brace attached to his leg uh, with a specially made shoe. And he said to the farmer, he said, sir, I don't run so well myself, and he will need someone who understands. You see, every struggle you've been through has equipped you to help someone else. And one of the results of suffering is we have a capacity to enter into the sorrows of others and comfort them effectively. So if you have suffered a lot of physical pain, you can comfort those who suffer physical pain. You can have compassion on them. If you've lost a loved one, you better than anyone else can comfort and minister to someone else who's lost a loved one, far better than the majority of other people can do. The same is true if you've been through rejection, betrayal, financial loss or collapse, abusive parents or whatever it might be, or sickness, you can minister to those people. They say that bruises attract. They just find each other. And I think we can minister to one another and care for one another in this way. See, God's developing a wonderful ministry of comfort and encouragement in your life. He's developing that. So it's all not a waste because that ministry, although you pay a high price for it, is one of the most powerful and most needed ministries in the body of Christ because the Bible doesn't say singing is the greatest. It doesn't say preaching is the greatest. It doesn't say leadership is the greatest. It says love is the greatest. And the greatest people in the body of Christ are those who know how to love the most and love and comfort other people. That's the God that we serve. So, a final thought. Heaven is not here. It's there. Beyond. If we were given all that we wanted here, our hearts would settle for this world rather than for the next So God is forever luring us up and away from this world and wooing us to himself and to his invisible kingdom where we will certainly find everything that we are keenly looking for, longing for, and desiring. Amen? Amen. Amen. Musicians, please.